We Are LCC, a podcast emanating from the halls of Lower Canada College on Royal Avenue in Montreal. Here's alumni officer Christine Jones. Today I have the pleasure of sitting down with Sherry Elephant, a past parent in the LCC community. She's the wife of Stephen from the class of 79 and the mother of Sammy from 2010 and David from 2011. Among Sherry's accomplishments from raising children through her career, she is driven to integrate impact into anything she puts her hands on. I'm privileged to be able to have this conversation about her shift from the corporate world to her nonprofit career, what she's learned along the way, and her passion about creating social value. Thank you, Sherry, and welcome. So we're very happy to have you and would love to just get started a little bit with a bit of your background and a little bit of your storyline, just as I'm sure our listeners would love to hear that to start before we jump into things. Sure. So I'm originally from New York. I spent nine years in the for-profit sector in advertising, creating Snuggle, the bear for Snuggle fabric softener and launching products like Diet Coke, super fun stuff. And then moved to Montreal. And when I was four months pregnant with my daughter, I got my first job offer in advertising here. So that didn't pan out and had decided that I really wanted to be home with my kids. And so left the for-profit world and raised my children, which if you look at my LinkedIn profile is my greatest life accomplishment, I think, and super challenging. And then when my children were about nine and 10, I entered the nonprofit sector. So you started in the corporate, you made the move to nonprofit. And what was it that drove you to start working in the nonprofit sector? Any personal experiences that you can tie in from your own youth or or sort of why did you make the switch? Yeah, definitely. So at the time I was doing some work for the Montreal Children's Hospital Foundation. And I really felt disconnected for like, it was, you know, the work was very far away from the outcome. And so that was something that I had difficulty with. And I always had a soft spot for youth because I grew up in New York in predominantly white neighborhood. I went to a predominantly white school and, um, And my ethnicity is my mom's from Puerto Rico. My dad's Jewish. And so in the 70s, that was an incredible challenge, to say the least. And I had an experience when I was about 14 where I was in the girls' locker room and there were a group of girls from the field hockey team and they they assaulted me with their hockey sticks. And I left school that day with... And I literally just left school like this happened and I left. Like you had nowhere else to go in school. I didn't even know what to do. And so I just left. I went home. I I had scars all over my face. My face was bleeding. I remember leaving school and knowing full well that it wasn't anything that I did. I was a pretty quiet kid and a good student. I was an athlete. My skin was a little bit darker than others. And there was this, always this feeling of my family was different than other families on the street and in school. And I remember, so I got home, my mom, you know, reacted and called school and went to school. And, you know, there was the guidance counselor meetings and 
and those girls were brought in and there were discussions and the outcome was they ended up with a week of detention and I was scarred for life pretty much. Horrible. And I think that 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 was really for me like helping youth was just really was important for me after that experience because it never left me. You know, I carried it through my teenage years. I carried it through university. I remember in university working, you know, to make money for my books and just extra spending money. And I would send money to UNICEF, even though I didn't have enough money to get my own groceries. I just had this affinity for youth and I didn't like to see kids struggle. And so, you know, entering the nonprofit sector and being able to to help kids was super meaningful for me. And then my kids really were an impetus as well. They were part of a a basketball, just an after-school basketball program here in Montreal. And it was run by two community leaders, Trevor Williams and Dean Smith. Both Trevor and Dean had after-school programs throughout the city, and they also ran a basketball academy. And I used to watch kids come from all over the city and enter this gym. And when they got into this gym, these two guys were like magnets for them. Like they just were so happy to be there and, and they just wanted to be by Trevor and Dean's side. And so I watched this dynamic and I was completely wowed. And there were kids from all over Montreal, you know, Little Burgundy, Point St. Charles, Westmount, NDG, Hampstead. And it didn't matter where you came from. Trevor and Dean had this way when the kids got onto the basketball court that everybody was equal. You had a role, you were part of a team, you had to respect one another, and you had to contribute. And the kids just did it. It's so amazing, you know? So it's like everything was left on the sidewalk, so to speak, when they walked into the gym. Everything was, yeah, totally. Everything was like, it didn't matter what car you got out of, none of it mattered. And that was so refreshing to see. Absolutely. So eye-opening. Yeah, it was completely eye-opening. And so I remember coming home with my kids after they had participated in the program and we were sitting having dinner and my daughter said, you know, mom, why don't you just help Trevor and Dean? I think she was 10 at the time or nine. And yeah, so the following week, the three of us got together and had a conversation and we decided to give it a go. And so we incorporated a foundation. Wow. So that's when you decided to co-found the Trevor Williams Kid Foundation. I can imagine the experience must have come with challenges. Obviously, at the time when you started it, there was probably a lack of corporate responsibility platforms out there, not very many doors open. So can you describe how it went and how the launch went and then eventually the experience with it? So almost 20 years ago, we incorporated in 2002. So almost 20 years ago, there was very little, if any, real structure in terms of corporate social responsibility. And the discussions around diversity, equity, and inclusion were non-existent pretty much. You know, that was not the buzzword. And so it was really granular for us. We started at ground zero. It was going door to door, figuring out 
who we knew, who the kids were in the room, who their parents were, and would they be willing to help? And it was like almost like pushing water uphill, honestly. Trevor was incredible. I mean, he's the namesake of the foundation. And so he was a voice. And just watching him start to have these conversations and not give up was just so commendable. And so eventually in time, we started to build a a structure for the foundation. We identified the important things that we wanted kids to experience when they came to the foundation. And so we, we built a team of educators and social workers, and we developed programs that addressed things like anger management, literacy, you know, health and well-being. It was all based on academics, athletics, community, and family. So we tried to really create a, an experience for the kids that really addressed all of them, all of who they were. And so getting companies to participate and understand what we were trying to do was super challenging. But eventually what we ended up doing was building out a board organically, really through parents that were watching their kids on the gym floor and creating those relationships. And and I remember once sitting in, maybe it was our second board meeting, and looking around the table and saying, oh my God, the people around this table mirror the kids on the gym floor. We were diverse. We were from all corners of the city. We all had different experiences and we were all there for different reasons. So it's kind of like the kids. Right. But also super invested in what was going on. Super invested in what was going on and super willing to help us open doors and get people to listen. And if I think about it now, just in talking to you now, I would say that the Trevor Williams Kids Foundation was really one of the pioneers in DEI. We were just doing it organically. Nobody came to give us a course on how to get this done. It just—it was just part of the philosophy of the foundation. It was what Trevor and Dean brought to the table as human beings. And so we were already there. Right. And so was there some sort of turning point or the aha moment in the uh, launching of the nonprofit that sort of marked you and and changed things moving forward? There were so many moments for me at the beginning. It was just such a great learning experience. And I experienced that issue of diversity going into that community because here I was, this Westmount mom, and I was entering a community that I really knew very little about, if anything. And it was a time when there were a barrage of senseless gun violence incidents happening in Little Burgundy. And I remember Trevor taking me to a town meeting. And in that town meeting was a very angry parent who had lost their child and slammed his fist down on the table and looked me dead in the eyes and was like, what are you doing here? What do you know from this world, from this life? And that was a very humbling moment for me. So I just kind of sat there and then I I said to him, you're right, I don't know, but I want to, I want to learn, I want to understand. And that exchange kind of changed things for me. 
because it started to give me capacity to communicate in that community and to build relationships and to build trust, which was super, super important. Right. You wanted to, you know, have have the people that you were connecting with feel that you were with them on their side. Yeah, totally. I didn't want to feel like I was from the other side of the tracks, the proverbial tracks, so to speak. So that was a really big moment for me. Right. And so I guess over the course of those 20 years, going back to how you said sort of just organically that the foundation was sort of one of the first of its kind with regards to DEI, what's your opinion on the evolution and and how it's gone? And I can imagine things have changed tremendously. Absolutely. You know, if we were to launch the Trevor Williams Kids Foundation today, our toolkit would be different. We would have accessibility and resources and applications to fill out and people to talk to and companies that specialized in corporate social responsibility and cared about community organizations. I think it's been such an incredible evolution. And, you know, of course, there's been many things over the past few years that have really pushed it forward. But I think that we've identified that we're all in this together at the end of the day. And so why not figure it out together? And then so where did you go after the Trevor Williams Kids Foundation? So after after I left the foundation, there was an LCC alum that approached me. She had actually worked at the foundation years back, and she approached me. She was looking to start a sustainability education organization. She approached me to join her in this endeavor, and so and her name is Emily Litback. She's an educator and incredibly passionate about sustainability and youth and the environment. And so we, we created a framework. The organization is really a framework for youth to have a voice and to gain knowledge and tools and address the things that they're passionate about in their community. And then, of course, in the world at large. And so I think it was in 2019 or 2018, we incorporated Genvironment, which is, you know, for the next generation of change makers. And How has the pandemic played a role in the population that you work with and the work that you do? Have you seen a shift in the last 18 months? Yeah. So, I mean, the pandemic was super challenging for all kids, right? And um, I'm sure you had your challenges with your kids and, you know, getting kids to to get online and, and learn online. So, we learned really, really quickly at Genvironment, we had partnered with an organization called Montreal Community Cares, which serves underserved youth in Montreal as well. And we, were, we wanted to run some programs together, and we learned very quickly that there was a real disparity in that community and what they had in terms of access to tech. We needed two things to serve these kids. We needed them to have Wi-Fi in their houses, and we needed them to have devices. And we were seeing, you know, we started these programs online, and we were seeing five kids in front of a parent's cell phone trying to learn. And then if the parent had to go to work, the cell phone was gone. So the kids, it, you know, it was, it was really, really difficult. 
but thankfully we were able to apply for some grants. And so we were able to wire some homes. And I think we got 120 devices and the kids were just so excited. Oh, I bet. Yeah, they were just, you know, this was like life changing. Life changing. It was a non issue to get them online. Like they wanted to be there. So, yeah, I would say that was the greatest challenge for us. Oh, I bet. And in terms just of, you know, talking about youth and just society, whether we're talking about us raising our children versus what they're learning in the classroom, at the end of the day, you know, we want to empower our youth to be able to embrace all of these values and what we're trying to have the kids learn. In your opinion, how, how do we do that? Yeah, that's a that's a really big question. My experience has been very granular and I really feel that it has to be insular, right? So if we're doing this and it it has to be inside out, it has to start on the inside and work its way out. And so if we just look at our schools, right? And we're all in school now, there are these programs that address inclusion and diversity and and schools are working on becoming more diverse. But if a, the student body is diverse, then the teachers need to be diverse. And the staff, there needs to be diversity throughout. If corporations are another institution that gets a DEI label, well, then your leadership team should, should speak to that. I think that, and if we dial it all the way back to our youth, then it has to start at home. I think that we as parents, we're on stage from God blesses us with children. And then we're literally on stage for life and they are watching. <laughs> it's so true. Scary, but true. But yes. And, and they're a product of their environment. And I am a huge fan of, I feel like the next generations that are coming through the pipeline are incredible human beings. If I think about my generation, we were not community minded. We were certainly not sustainability and environmentally conscious. Like we didn't have any of those so different. And these kids have strong opinions, really strong opinions. And they're passionate about their opinions. You know, like they don't have the tolerance for the stupidity that we delivered in this world, frankly. Absolutely. And so I feel like, you know, we have to, we have to listen to our youth. We have to give them a voice and then walk with them. I love that. It's so true. You know, to get things done. Yeah, we can't like we have to be responsible and accountable here, too. We were part of the mess. Right. Absolutely. And we can't just leave it for them to pick up the pieces. Yeah. So I think that the next generations coming up the pipeline are going to get it done. And and we have to let them do it. Oh, I love it. I mean, it's been a pleasure talking to you and hearing your story. Certainly, you can tell where your passion comes from. So do you have any last thoughts to leave us with in terms of anything DEI related or just personally or for the future? I'd say DEI is super important, but it's got to come from within. Like, I really think that it's time. I remember my daughter told me like, I think it was like five years ago, there were some usual social issues in the world. And she said, Mom, if there's ever a time to love, it's now. And I really believe that like we're all humans and we all want our kids to do better by us. And so I think we need to listen to our kids 
and walk with them. There's it's as simple as that. Yeah. Take care of each other. Take care of each other. Definitely. Well, thank you so much again for joining us. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Very nice to meet you. Thanks for listening to We Are LCC. For more, go to wearelcc.ca slash podcast. And remember to hit subscribe or follow on your podcast app so you never miss an episode. Produced and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company.